0: This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Let's go, 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 go. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations
1: this master brewers podcast is proudly sponsored by hopsteiner a global leader in the hop industry focused on quality sustainability and innovation in new hop varieties and hop products contact our brewery sales team to provide you with the hop related tools you need to craft your next great beer for more information visit hopsteiner.com
2: actually a computer, a single board computer the size of a credit card, and it only costs $35. I've got about eight of them running at Caboose right now. They all talk to each other, listening for communication from the brewers through text message. They're asking for uh, temperatures from the PID controllers and setting temperatures on the PID controllers. Um, So they're basically, they they form the foundation for um, all the communication Um, that takes place in the brewery. What if you had a brewery bot that
0: monitored for things like out-of-spec fermentations or cleaning temperatures and times and sent your team alerts by text message? This week on the show, Sam McElwee explains how to leverage big data in small breweries.
2: I'm Sam McElwee. I'm a developer and data analyst at Gotab. Uh, Before that, I was working in the, the brewing industry, running operations at Caboose Brewing Company. And uh, I got my start in the brewing industry at at Star Hill, where I overlapped with uh, John Bryce.
0: All right. Yes, you did. Sam, what does it take for data to become valuable?
2: Uh, There are several things, actually. Um, And I'm going to talk about those things in relation to the the brewing industry. But uh, these things apply in general as well. Um, So I think the first thing... That you need to have to make data valuable is some context. Um, so, oftentimes you're collecting data about your brews like the Play Doh, um, but the Play Doh on its own is, is kind of ir- irrelevant if you don't have um, supporting data to give it context. So, when did you collect that data? Uh, what tank was it in? Uh, what brand of beer was in that tank? Uh, a lot of things like that. And so, Once you give data context, uh, you'll also need uh, to have a lot of it and just a general rule of thumb is the more data you have, uh, the more valuable it's gonna be. Um, And then lastly, and I group these things together, um, you need to be able to uh, store your data, access it and manipulate it. And those three things are really important to be able to compare data across time. Um, in the brewing industry, I, I know a lot of smaller places are writing stuff down on on pen and paper. And, and that's great to be able to diagnose issues um, in individual batches, but it can become a real nightmare when you're trying to um, assess quality over time and batch consistency and that sort of thing. So if you can uh, have a way to store your data um, where you can access it across time and compare batches, that's obviously the best way and you can get the most value out of your data.
0: Even the smallest breweries collect a decent amount of data, for example, times, temperatures, pH, and gravities throughout the life cycle of a given batch, transfer volumes, cell counts, the list goes on. Talk about why that's not enough.
2: Well, it's, it's a good start. Um, but all of those data points when you're collecting by hand, you can only do so much. Um, So if you're collecting Play-Doh twice a day and you're getting transfer volumes and you're doing cell counts, um, you you realistically are only taking those readings uh, a couple times a day. And that only gives you a a snapshot uh, of your operations. It doesn't give you the full picture. Um, It's kind of like if you If you took a low-resolution photograph um, versus a a high-res photograph, that's kind of the difference. You can see with more data, you get more visibility into what's going on in your brewery. Just how much data are
0: you collecting at Caboose?
2: Yeah, so um, we're collecting what sounds like a, a lot of data. We've got 12 fermenters and I'm logging the temperature on those tanks every 30 seconds. So that um, is about 34 and a half thousand temperatures that we're storing every every day. Um, to give you kind of a sense of scale over the past two and a half years or so, we've collected about 15 million temperatures, uh, which is about a gigabyte and a half of data, Which which sounds like a lot, but when you, consider the size of like a micro SD card at 16 gigabytes. It's it's really not that much data.
0: You're doing some pretty cool stuff just with something as simple as fermenter temperature collection. Before we get into that, talk about how adding, adding context increases the value of your data.
2: Yeah, so um, like I said, at Caboose we're collecting temperature data every 30 seconds. Um, so I basically can see what's going on at any point in time, uh, in our fermenters. Um, I can, I'm also recording the set point so I can see if a fermentation gets out of spec. I'm collecting whether the system is calling for glycol or not on a specific tank. And all of those contextual data points in addition to the temperature kind of give me an idea of whether things are going right in the fermenter or whether they're going wrong. If I have an issue with the glycol system um, or an issue with uh, my yeast not um, not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I can kind of see all those things and get an idea of what's going on because of the, the context that I give the data in addition to the, the temperatures. Say the, uh, I'm calling for glycol, but the temperature is still increasing. Um, then I know I've got an issue immediately and I can send out an alert and kind of cut that problem off before it becomes a, a major issue because fermentations can run away quite quickly without glycol.
0: You've got a lot of fermentation temperature data. You've added context to it and you can store it, access it and manipulate it quickly. Talk about what all that does for you.
2: Yeah, um, I think this is probably the coolest thing that I've worked on with the temperature data and that you can do with it and I just want to kind of paint a picture of what that data looks like. So you, you've got um, your fermentation in progress, the, the temperature heats up because of the yeast metabolism and then your glycol kicks on and you get cooling which decreases the temperature and it kind of oscillates back and forth so you've got this uh, sawtooth looking graph during fermentation, and because you've got a change in temperature over time on a mass of in this case beer, um, you can actually calculate the the heat produced um, by the yeast, so you can basically measure the metabolism indirectly through the change in temperature in your tank um, and probably the coolest thing about that is that um, energy um, that I've calculated actually correlates perfectly with the drop in Play-Doh in the tank. So you could potentially uh, take a Play-Doh reading at the beginning of the fermentation, and then indirectly measure Play-Doh through the temperature as your fermentation progresses. So not that I'm suggesting you do this, but you could um, figure out when a fermentation has gone to completion and it's uh, final Play-Doh just by looking at the temperature.
0: You leveraged a couple of papers from the Master Brewers Archive for this project. I'll add links to both of them in the show notes, but give us the lowdown on what you found in those papers.
2: Yeah, so in these papers, these researchers at the the Coors Brewing Company, they were basically doing the same thing just 40 years before. Um, in 1980, actually, they were using a computer to record temperature data, and they were correlating that um, energy evolution to the drop in, in Plato. Um, so they were basically doing the same thing, but that because it was so long ago um it was put out of reach for for most in the in the craft brewing community not that it was huge at that point um, but it was a um, massively, ex- it would have been a massively expensive undertaking um, just because of the technological limitations. Um, we, d- we don't have those anymore and it's, it's much more accessible.
0: Yeah, I read in one of the articles they were actually using floppy disks to uh, record <laughs> right. this information and then transferring those back to a computer to try to do the analysis. So they, they were working hard for it.
2: Exactly. Um, it's much easier now. <laughs> coming up you can ask the brewery bot uh for a fermentation report and it'll send you um the energy curve and the temperature profile throughout fermentation so you can really see what's going on um, in the fermenter
0: i'm john bryce and you're listening to the master brewers podcast from the master brewers association of the americas
1: Additional support provided by Bring the world to your brew house with BSG's diverse selection of ingredients and services. Our dedicated customer service team and industry experience provides you with the assistance you need every step of the way. Make BSG your supplier of choice with products essential to making great artisanal beverages so you can stay focused on your craft. Visit us at bsgcraftbrewing.com or contact us at 1-800-374-2739. And thanks also to Malt Europe Malting Company is a leading supplier of craft malt across North America. As a farmer-owned company, Malt Europe has carefully crafted quality malt from locally grown barley for decades. The result? A portfolio of base, specialty, and distiller's malts that exceed the exacting standards of craft brewers. Learn more and buy online at MaltEuropeMaltingCo.com.
0: Here's what's coming up on the Master Brewer's calendar. District Carolinas meets August 23rd at Boonshine Brewing. The 2019 Eastern Technical Conference is in Philadelphia August 23rd and 24th. The Eastern Canada Golf Day is August 29th. The District Ontario Annual Golf Tournament is September 6th. A lot of golf in Canada. District Northwest meets in Bend the weekend of September 7th. The District Ontario Iron Brewer is at Common Good Beer Co. September 27th. New Hampshire Brewfest 2019 is October 12th in Portsmouth. District St. Louis meets October 17th, and the brand new District Georgia is holding its first annual pig roast October 19th at Monday Night Brewing in Atlanta. District Mid-Atlantic meets October 19th at Union Craft Brewing in Baltimore. Registration is now open for the 2019 Master Brewers Conference in Calgary. Be sure to tack on a couple of extra days to enjoy some amazing hiking and make the 45-minute trip to Banff, which is one of the most picturesque places on the planet. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. Now, back to the show. The chiller is arguably the most important piece of equipment in the brewery. Talk about what you're doing to get ahead of problems there.
2: Sure, yeah. Um, like you said, the, the chiller is is a workhorse. Um, it's, it's super important that everything's working correctly. Um, and the sooner you can identify a problem... And, and fix in the chiller, the, the better you're going to save batches of beer, basically. Um, so what we're doing at Caboose, we're we're measuring constantly measuring the level of our, our glycol reservoir, and we're also measuring measuring the temperature, um, so that if for some reason we got a leak in the glycol system, or the the compressor stopped working, um, we'd receive a signal that says, "Hey, something's up with with your glycol system. You need to check it out now." Um, and we could kind of identify that by the temperature in the fermentation tanks, um, but you don't always have an active fermentation um, and you might not be able to, to catch the problem in time. So we're measuring that in the um, chiller itself so we can get ahead of problems before they really happen.
0: What are you using to measure the level? Is that like a pressure transducer or a level switch of some kind or what, is, what device are you using for that?
2: So you can actually look it up. It's uh, a level sensor on adafruit.com. But it's it's like a $40 device and it uses um, just pressure. Um, It's a strip that senses pressure uh, along its length. Uh, So it's basically like a ruler um, that's sensing pressure.
0: With all that data, I guess you could also potentially assess performance of the chiller and flag it for maintenance if you start to see a, a decrease in, in efficiency.
2: Yeah, you can you can definitely do that. Um, not necessarily with the the data we're collecting with temperature and level. Uh, you might be able to pull that out um, if. If we were uh, a little bit smarter, we'd probably be looking at the the cycles of when the compressor's on and off, and and looking at um, energy draw and that sort of thing. Um, but that's just it's it's another step in uh, in data collection, and one that probably be extremely helpful for for us to implement in other breweries as well.
0: Talk about how you've leveraged data to build automation and how that's
2: changed day-to-day
0: operations
2: in the brewery. Sure. Um, so just from a high level, all this data collection, um, and storage kind of precedes automation. It, it provides the foundation for everything we're doing at Caboose, um, to help the brewers out. And, when I when I talk about automation here, um, oftentimes it kind of gets confused with manipulating valves or you know other physical equipment, but th- that's not always the case. Um, automation can refer to um, monitoring and and alerting, so not necessarily affecting um, hardware in the brewery, but but still keeping an eye on things. Um, so, just to give you an idea of the system we've got in place at Caboose, um, we've got a text messaging interface uh, set up, mainly because brewers are pretty active and they're not always at a computer, so they they need it. But they always have a smartphone, so when you can interact via text message, you can be anywhere in the brewery um, and, and access data. So, so for example, if um, If a brewer is at we've actually got two locations at caboose so if a a brewer is at our first location they can ask for the temperature of a tank uh, at the second location and if they need to change that temperature they can also change it um, via text message and be alerted that they've they've changed the temperature Um, you can also ask for reporting so you can automatically generate reports if um, if you're wondering how fermentation is doing, you can just ask the the brewery bot, well, is what, well that's what we call it, the brewery bot, but you can just, uh, you can ask the brewery bot uh, for a fermentation report and it'll send you um, the energy curve and the temperature profile throughout fermentation so you can really see what's going on um, in the fermenter. It also monitors, the brewery bot monitors for out-of-spec fermentations and alerts the brewers. Um, to things that might be going wrong so they can um, fix those problems before they really get out of hand. Uh, or monitoring, cleaning, temps, and times. So um, if a tank is cleaned, I can uh, flag that and send a text message out to all the brewers and say, hey, it looks like someone's cleaned a tank. Will you report back and tell me who, who cleaned that tank and and that sort of thing? Um,
0: and you just do that by monitoring the temperature alone on that, right? you yep, You're just, seeing yep, the, just the monitoring the changes. temperature.
2: Right, so if uh, if the tank gets the set point gets set to two twelve or something like that, that's where we set it at Caboose. Um, that's a signal that says the, a beer has been transferred out of this tank. It's empty now, um, and then I can see the process temperature raise up into the cleaning temperature specs. Um, and if it remains at that temperature for a certain amount of time, then I know uh, a tank has been cleaned. And it will ask uh, who cleaned the tank um it's also kind of useful if you accidentally leave the uh the glycol on you can you can see those uh issues as well so you don't leave your glycol on while you're cleaning the tank which happens sometimes
0: so so the system will send out a message and say hey i think uh somebody's cleaning tank seven is that right and then they respond back and say yes yep that's
2: correct cool what else
3: uh let's see um this is more of a, a
2: reporting aspect, not necessarily a, an automation aspect, but because um, we're recording all these changes in temperature, so when brewers change temperatures, those changes in temperatures oftentimes relate to changes in, in process. Um, so if you, you know, move a temperature down to to 50 degrees or something like that, it's likely that you're dry hopping. Or if you set your temperature to 32 degrees, um, you're in maturation, that sort of thing. So over time, you can see how long different brands spend in uh, different stages of of the brewing process and basically track um, all your volumes, everything from the time you put the, the beer in the tank to the time it goes to the bright tank and is packaged. Um, and you can look into reporting um, like that as well. That data is, it, it kinda, there are many things you can do with it. We're probably not doing everything with it um, that we possibly could, but it's there. So if we think of things in the future we'd like to add, um, it, it kind of provides the, the base to, to add features as well.
0: I'm sure a lot of listeners would like to hear more about the hardware you chose for this application. Talk about that.
2: Yeah, this is uh, one of the coolest parts, actually. I'm, I'm using a thing called a Raspberry Pi. Uh, it's actually a computer, a uh, single board computer the size of a credit card, and it only costs $35. Um, but it's it's incredibly powerful uh, for its size and price. I've got about eight of them running at Caboose right now. They all talk to each other. Um, They do various things. They're uh, listening for communication from the brewers through text message. They're asking for uh, temperatures from the PID controllers and setting temperatures on the PID controllers. Um, So they're basically, they they form the foundation for um, all the communication um, that takes place in the brewery. And this is sort of a retrofit. I mean, you added all this
0: stuff to an existing operation, right?
2: Right. Yeah, yeah. So... Most equipment that we use in the brewing industry you kind of take some of the, their abilities for, for granted. Um, a lot of PID controllers um, come equipped uh, for data communication. So reading and writing temperature data to the controllers. Um, and yeah, I just kind of hopped on top of the existing controllers we had. So it wasn't a huge problem. Um, a huge retrofit. I didn't have to go out and buy a bunch of new controllers. You just hop right on top. Just put a um, a data line in, connect it to a computer, and you're you're ready to go. Cool. Um,
0: and I assume are each of these things um, Wi-Fi enabled, or how are they communicating with each other? Is it all yeah. Hard?
2: So all of so communicating to the like temperature controllers themselves. That's a, a wired connection, um, but. All of the the Pies are Wi-Fi enabled, so everything's uh, connected to the internet. I'm actually storing all the data in in a database um, that's hosted by Amazon, and all of the the Pies can communicate with that database, and they have access to it. So it's uh, beyond the actual connection to the temperature controllers. Everything is, is wireless. Cool. All
0: right, so this all sounds great. What did it cost you to do all this?
2: Um the most expensive thing uh was definitely my time. Um it was kind of a learning process for me. So I've got to thank Caboose Brewing for for that. Um but in terms of hardware it was really pretty cheap. Probably for the eight Raspberry Pis it's less than $500. Um you know, you just need some some cable. It's uh, another 100 bucks and and that's about it. It was definitely um less than a thousand dollars in terms of of hardware to get this up and running
0: if somebody wants to implement these tools you've created how do they get started
2: um so i think there there are a couple ways um there's a a great project um called brewery pie um, by deschutes they have all their their code uh hosted on github you can actually check that out download the code if you're um computer savvy and kind of get started from there that's a that's a good jumping off point um i'm also available to help out i love working on these projects so so feel free to reach out to me uh you can reach me via email uh sam at gotab.io um but yeah it's um i would say start there um but in general, um, it, it can be kind of difficult to get started, but I guarantee you will learn a ton about your process, even if you um, just fool around for a little bit. And, and that's, uh, that's incredibly valuable. That was
0: Sam McElwee here on the Master Brewers Podcast. Check the show notes for links to those TQ papers we referenced earlier. By the way, Sam has been working on a cool new app that lets restaurant or taproom brewery customers order and pay directly from their smartphone. Check it out at gotab.com. Check out the brand new Master Brewers Podcast website. You'll find guest profiles, information about upcoming live events, and more. All at masterbrewerspodcast.com. Hurry up! There's only a few weeks left to take advantage of discounted early bird registration for the 2019 Master Brewers Conference. And be sure to tack on a couple of extra vacation days. Here's why.
3: It's a really beautiful city. It's close. I mean, it's, it's an hour from the mountains. You're in Banff, one of the most picturesque places on the planet. Um, within 45 minutes if you want to venture out. And then if you go even further, about an hour further, is Lake Louise and Moraine Lake, um, which is beautiful and picturesque as well. Turquoise waters, uh, brilliant crisp air, great people, great hikes if you like hiking. Uh, Some of the best hikes that I've ever done have been around Lake Louise. So lots of people get stirred into like the touristy zones. And um, there's so much more to, to Banff, Lake Louise and Calgary than the tourist zones. Must-sees? I'm a huge, huge fan of um, not Lake Louise itself, although it's beautiful, but Moraine Lake, which is a a lake that's a little bit further up the mountain. Um, I always tell people to go visit that lake. There's some beautiful hikes. Um, Johnson Canyon's a pretty easy hike um, if you do the small, small hike uh, just to a couple waterfalls. Uh, that's just outside Banff. Um, if you go a bit further, you could do Ink Pots, uh, which is about I think it's about a four or five-hour hike, all in all, depending on your pace. Um, and if and if you go further than the Ink Pots on that same trail, you you end up in Lake Louise. So it's it's linked to Lake Louise, it, and then it becomes a full day deal. But in general, um, take in I would say if if I were talking about Calgary, I would take in nature. I mean. It's at its finest. The city's beautiful, um, and and lots of lots of energy on 17th Ave, and um, Electric Ave. But um, the real gem is heading to those Rockies and and driving into Canmore and Banff and Louise and 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 just looking around at 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 nature at its best. It's it's an absolutely spectacular place to be.
0: Are you enjoying the Master Brewers podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, ABS, Proximity Malt, BSG, and Malt Europe. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support.